Hello and welcome to Casting Nets Podcast, a real podcast about real life and living faith. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudat. Uh, I invited Will to come up here to Shirley, Wisconsin, maybe get away. He's spending so much time in his office there in Maribel this week with the meetings and annual, getting ready for annual meetings and whatnot. To get him away, uh, come up north uh, to Pastor Dave Rudat's. Actually, he's here to help me set up my, my roadcaster uh, podcasting equipment as I'm getting ready to do some more work on uh, past past voices, present sayings podcast that I'm working on, and another podcast I'm working on with my brother called Heart and Liver. These uh, these four walls, they're different than my four walls. <laughs> they're they're painted in 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 a less uh, stark fashion. My four walls are very white and uh, sparse, and his are very uh, homey and blue, and so. Uh, uh, it's good to be here, and uh, thank you for for having me as a guest in your house and uh, on this podcast. I'm thankful for, for, uh, <laughs> for having you as a guest <laughs> on your own podcast. That's hilarious. Uh, and just as we're talking in this podcast, this is a podcast that's here for for you. I mean, we have um, we want to talk to you about Jesus and His Word, but we also want to impart uh, some of some of our wisdom. And one of the things I really want to impart to you today is. The number one cause of dryness of skin. I don't know what the number one cause of dryness for skin is. Towels. <laughs> oh, wait. Here's a second. Here. There you go. Oh, and he's got it programmed. <laughs> he is better than me. I have songs all on my all right. board, and he has decided that he, he is going to... Uh, uh, regale us with uh, soundtracks. Yep. So before we go on and, and this devolves any further than it already started to, uh, let's just give the, the brief disclaimer. Um, we are two pastors with our ruminations and our thoughts as we are approaching this topic on Leviticus. Uh, if there's things here that are going to offend you or if they do offend you or if there's something here that you just don't understand and it becomes really difficult for you to, to kind of get please reach out to us. Uh, you can find us in our congregations any Sunday. You can give us a call. You can reach out to us on our, our uh, email at castingnetspod at gmail.com or through our Facebook page, uh, Casting Nets Podcast on Facebook. Um, please just reach out in whatever way if you have any questions. We we don't want to leave you hanging and, and thinking, uh, what I thought was was Leviticus is, is not what I'm thinking, and I don't know where I'm going and what I'm doing. Uh, we we want to take an opportunity to to really have a good discussion with you. So, um, with that being said, let's. Uh, well, you, you're in control. You take us where you want to go. Uh, well, let's uh, go into our topic. Yes, this uh, podcast today is talking about the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus, and uh, we were bouncing around a title for our podcast for today, Sacramental Sacrifices, although Will pointed out that it's not really sacrifices uh, that God really talks about it in terms of, yes, they are sacrifices, but God uh, refers to them as offerings more than sacrifices. What do you think would be the the uh, the difference between the two? Well, um, I think what we have to be really careful in, in and, and this is where, where we started off when we kind of explained the overarching idea of Leviticus. God is speaking to his people. He's speaking to ones that he's already rescued. He's speaking to the people that he has already, um, he's already worked his grace and comfort in. Um, they are his. They are considered holy and clean because of his work. Um, and so now what we have here is is this opportunity that he gives to them to continue in that. And so these become offerings of uh, of the result of a changed heart, right? These are not the sacrifices or the things that we have to do 
to go through and somehow uh, if we do these and we follow this prescription, then all of a sudden God will respond by by doing it's no it's it's more um, God is giving us the prescription of what He chooses to work through the means by which He chooses to work and and they will work because God has applied Himself to it um, for your benefit, um, not for His. And I think that's really the difference between an offering. And a sacrifice. A sacrifice is for for we're we're sacrificing something for the benefit of someone else, whereas an offering is is for our benefit. Um, that we are offering this up for our benefit. That that the Lord is going to continue to do what He has promised to do. It would make that different than the other religions of the world, which is more of a we're going to we have to act start the conversation with the deity by our action and activity. Where an offering is something where we've God's activity has already happened in our lives, and now we are responding to that. It is, in a sense, it's kind of it is a sacrifice, but let's use the word offering just because that really uh, sets it apart from the sacrifices, say, of the other religions in the area or the other religions throughout time. Well, and I, I, I think we live in a in in a day and age where we look at this, and 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 our minds are predisposed to to really everything is a law, right? God tells me I have to do a lot of these things. <clears throat> and what we see here in in the very first chapters of Leviticus are like a progression. Um, we have a progression of optional offerings that go then to um, non-optional offerings because now you're a sinner and 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 you need and, and this relationship with your Lord has to be um fixed. Um, and so we, we, we have this progression and, and I think, um, also just in comment to, to the difference between the pagan religions, you're going to see through the first seven chapters of Leviticus, the Lord is, is, and if you don't have any experience with studying pagan religion practices, um, this probably will go over and, and just go right over your head and you're like, what's going on? Um, but he specifically, you know, he throws out the drinking of blood and the, and the use of blood, which was heavy in, in pagan uh, religious practice. The, the eating of fatty, of uh, the fat, um, heavy in the religious practices of these pagans. Um, the, the, demand of, um, the demand of using female, uh, the, the female element over the male element um, for the what was sacrificed, heavy in pagan uh, religion, as opposed to to what it demanded is now. I'm not saying that 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 there weren't some female sheep that were demanded, um, or or that were prescribed, but by and large, it's male bulls, it's male goats, right? Um, these are these are the things that that are are set up for the offering. Um, in a sense, what we're seeing here is is a complete and utter different system. Um, where the Lord is choosing to work through these things, but each of these things has a greater symbolism um, as to why they're being done and a greater uh, um, a greater cause. Uh, the pagan religion, just as a, a, one last comment, I guess, on that, and then we'll move into maybe more details. Um, the pagan religion, it was um, people came and they gave their sacrifices for the benefit of the priest and their god. The, their gods gained benefit from it. Um, gods waned in approval and waned in power if people didn't worship them. And so they people brought things to them um, to increase their prestige. This, this is not the system that we have in Leviticus. The, God needs nothing. <laughs> this, is, this is not for him, uh, and it's not even for his priests, although the priests do gain a benefit in some of them, um, this is this is not for the priest. This is for the people. This this these things are for benefit of the people. Um, I, I guess that's that's kind of where I would I would head, and then we can say more about it. But but really, it's that's the fundamental difference. God is not doing this so that his his ego would be stroked and that he would be be you know look at me, look at me. It's no, um, I'm doing this for you to keep you in where you need to be. Um, so, yeah. So the first sacrifice that's mentioned in chapter one is a um, an offering of expressing this covenant relationship that we have with God. So it's not. We talked about this in our last podcast, where you would think the first pot, the first offering that would be given, the first sacrifice that's that's mentioned, is 
something for our sin. We got to get our sin uh, taken care of before we can approach God. But uh, emphasizing what we had said in the previous podcast is this is all starting from God's activity in our life, and now we are responding uh, with this whole burnt offering. So the the victim in the the whole burnt offering was what cattle, sheep, goats, doves. Uh, depending on how much money you had, um, uh, what we have here in the beginning of the whole burnt offering is, is really a response of, of joy. Um, what do we do? What can we do in, in response to the joy that God has given to us and continues to provide for us? That's the whole burnt offering. And so, um, you might think of this as a first fruits offering. You might think of this as, as the very best of what we can provide. We provide, um, not because, um, we have to, but because we get to, um, the very first five chapters, uh, when we deal with these, these, um, sacrifices, the sacramental sacrifices, the sacramental offerings. Um, uh, the very first five chapters all deal with what you might want to call ritual case law. So you're going to see a lot of when this happens, um, if this happens, then. Um, that's, that's, that would be what we would call case law. So it's very specific. If, if this is going to occur, which is God's way of saying it will occur, <laughs> um, <laughs> then, then the response of the faithful is, um, I desire to be cleansed of this. I desire to to re- have this relationship righted, and so this is the this is the prescribed method. So it, it's one of those same things that we would we would fast forward a, a little bit, and we look at the the practice, the rite of baptism, um, or we look at the rite of communion, which are the sacraments within the church. And what would we have? Well, I I am born a sinner. Therefore, here is the right that God has prescribed where he works through these by his word, through his word, through his mandate and his sanctification of this thing. Um, in this way, I will work in this life to, to fix this relationship. Same thing with the Lord's Supper, where we would say, I feel weak. I, f- I feel in need. I, I need strength. Where do I go? The Lord says, come to the table um, and I will place myself in this right for you, for your benefit. Um, and so he gives these things. So if you are in this need, here is this, right? Um, and, and, and so I think there's some really beautiful connections between those first five chapters and, and um, the case, if you want to call it case law, of the Lord saying, this is going to happen, and when it happens, here is your response. Which is, uh, underlines the point that God is a God of order that God isn't a God of chaos. And so when you think of the word liturgy, that, that is, is a progression. It's an order. We do things in a certain order, not because uh, it's tradition, but because it's a reflection in a way of God's, that God is someone who is one of order to do things not chaotically. Well, and, and go just a little bit beyond, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, it is order. God is one of, um, he did not create chaos. He created this, everything to work as it should. But I, I, I think we also want to get it out of our head that there is a mandate on how certain things have to be done. And we look at Leviticus and we can easily say, okay, God is mandated that, that this has to be done in this way, in this particular and And when we start thinking that, we start thinking in the way of law. And God doesn't want us to be thinking about this in the way of law as much as he wants us to be thinking about this as as there is a there's a level of lawness in the sense of there's a perfection in these things that you will never obtain, right? Um, and it it's meant to be that way to point us to Jesus um, who completes that and, and, and is the perfect sacrifice and is the perfect one who offers such sacrifice. Um, and he's the only one that offers sacrifice, whereas the rest of us receive, uh, sacrament. Um, so I, I think there's, there's this, you look at this and you get kind of overwhelmed and you're like, holy cow. I mean, you'd run out of perfect sheep <laughs> or you run out of perfect bulls or, or what if you slipped and you forgot to lay your hand on there on the bull and it was supposed to be, you know, a minute and you, you were like 55 seconds and, and, and sometimes you start thinking, well, what would God do? Um, and I, I, I love how, um, you know, you, you get to the end of each of these little chapters, and I'll try to find a, a good one. Um, very end of the very first chapter, right? Um, and you have all of this stuff, 
And there's never a case, well, if it's not done right, it's rejected, right? There's never in it, but it ends with the very, it ends with the promise, right? Uh, very last verse uh, of chapter one, uh, which would be verse 17, the very last part of it says, it is a whole burnt offering, an offering made by fire with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. God's happy. <laughs> um, you recognized your need. You recognized his gifts. Um, and there is a response and, 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 and there's a response and, and he promises with his word, he will be there as he has said he would be. And, and it is pleasing. I like, I like this point that you're bringing out because sometimes when you're reading through the book, you're looking at all the details, but you're not actually putting yourself in that situation where, what would it be like for me to do this? And, and yes, there are all these contingencies, case laws, when this happens, well, then you do that. Uh, when if you know you take this part of the animal and you do that, well, what about all the little the little tiny details that you would completely miss if you're actually doing the thing? Uh, I have it happens all the time in a YouTube video. You watch a how-to YouTube video and says, "Oh, that sounds easy enough to do," and then you actually go in and do it. You're f- fixing your car, and he's like, "Well, they skipped over this part. You know, what would you <laughs> this? Uh, I was supposed to take out this uh, bolt over here, but they didn't say it because it's it's a common thing to do when you're." fixing that part of the vehicle. Well, I, for me, who, is, who learns how to fix vehicles by watching YouTube videos, well, I didn't know that. So for us, as we look at these things, we might think that every contingency is written in Leviticus, but not every contingency is. The major ones are God is a God of order. God puts the, the, the pattern in place, but at the end, there's a promise. This is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Um, that you, Don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, people of Israel, when the little things come up, don't don't panic and say, well, now this whole offering is now ruined. I just spent a ton of money for this bull or this sheep or goat, and now now I'm now I'm uh I'm up the crick. Well and and when you talk about, you know, you 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 were talking about the whole we started with the burnt offering in, in, in chapter one. And this is a response of joy, right? This is um God has blessed us, God has given us, God has even though we are sinners, God is still here for us, and so we are giving um out of what he has provided. Um and and God is there and it is pleasing to him that we we would offer a portion back. And so you you look at this and and this is all I'm a believer. I am founding. I respond, and and then the Lord gives more because that's who the Lord is. Um, I think that changes, and I'm not saying it changes a lot, but it changes as we go through the, the through the, the the sacrifices. So the first five chapters, like I said, deal with this case law of sacrifices. The second is like this this uh, the grain offering, right? We would say the regulations for the grain offering. And you'd be like, what is that but the grain offering, right? You know, why, why, what is this thing? And why do we do it? And, and you see, you see the bread, right, that is given. And this is a bread that, that really the Lord has to provide for his servants who work in the temple. And he says, as you provide for my people who are, are facilitating the sacrament among you, right, as you, uh, this will become a blessing for you. Um, how awesome you know, that, that the Lord in the New Testament brings that same idea in, right? The worker is worth his wages. Um, that's kind of this, this what you, you're receiving here. You have the, you're giving this bread, you're giving the bread of life to God's people. And, and you have this beautiful connection to the grain offering as, as this connection of the bread of life that's coming in. And there's, there's the show bread, right? And only the priests can eat it. This is, this is their, their due um, in, in the thankfulness that people have of what God has given. And you have these things where, and it's just a beautiful connection to uh, later what we're going to get in Jesus. I am the bread of life, right? Um, and and if you eat of me, you'll never be hungry again. Um, this is that idea that that keeps coming on over and over and over. I, and and by the way, and I was just thinking about this. You know, um, the the scriptures, New Testament refers to us well, and 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 even in the Old Testament that God's people are a holy people, right? In the New Testament, we are we are uh, a priesthood of believers, right? Um, the connection that is being made in the New Testament is 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 got these echoes of Leviticus, where where when we get to the sin offering, the priest eats the sin offering. Uh, we we receive Christ's body and blood, who is the sin offering, right? 
we receive that in, in, in the Lord's Supper and we eat that as his priests. Um, we, we, we receive the bread of life, which is this, the grain offering, and we receive that as his priests and we eat that. Um, there's just some beautiful echoes that echo throughout the, the as the Lord gives the sacramental beauty of, of saying, I'm going to work through these means and among my people because my word has given it the authority to do these things. Not because the the sacrifice, if it, if it's not if it's not done in God's word with with God's authority, it's just that a sacrifice that means nothing. But it is now sacramental because it is a right empowered by by my word. It is a right empowered by my promises for my people, and it's going to point you to the greater thing that I'm providing. And I'm doing. I'm going to do. So, so you had the grain offering. So we've made it through the first two. Unless you have more to say about the grain offering. Um, just the uh, idea of this. This is is this the bread that's put in the in the tabernacle, the show bread, the daily bread type of idea, where this again another echo from the New Testament, where Jesus says, "Give us this day our daily bread." That this bread that was in the presence of the Lord all the time is a reminder to God's people and a subtle reminder to God himself of the promise that he made of that uh, he's going to provide for his people. Uh, God made that promise, not because we earned it or deserved it, but because he, he made that promise. Uh, he's a God who makes promises and keeps them. So that daily reminder, the bread was con- consistently refreshed every day in that tabernacle or in the temple, put on the, put on the, uh, the, the, there, there's a table that it was put on, and the it's uh, called the, the the show the show table show table. That I was going to say something, yeah, show bread or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So it was a constant reminder of, and it was in the holy place, in the holy place. So not the holy of holies, but the holy place, right? Um, and it was a cons- consistent reminder to to God's people uh, of God daily taking care of them, and well, and it's it has echoes in Jesus's uh, Lord's prayer. It has echoes, like you said. That Jesus is the living bread it has echoes in our in the Lord's Supper as well. And there's and there's really some awesome awesome like I said some some keys that we pick up. Um, and and, and now we're hearkening backwards, right? So so in the show bread in, in this in this grain offering, it's unleavened bread. Um, so now we're picking up notes of the Passover, which is outside of Levitical law. Uh, um, so outside of what we would consider re- religious law, um, you have the Passover that is is given when they come out of Egypt, <clears throat> and you have the the unleavened bread, right? So we have unleavened bread now making a return um, in in the temple as it's as it's placed there every day um, in the holy of holies. I love what is said here in in chapter two, um, kind of right in the middle of chapter two, starting at. Um, verse 8 it says you may bring to the lord and i i love that word you may bring this isn't this is this is a show of 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 a response for god's grace and they did it every day because they were happy with god's grace this was a great thing god is providing here have have some um and so it says you may bring to the lord a grain offering made in any of these ways, and it shall be presented to the priests who shall deliver it to the altar. And the priests shall separate the memorial portion from the grain offering and send it up in smoke on the altar as an offering made by fire. And then again, the promise, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But then it goes on. And this is the beautiful part. He says, but, verse 10, the rest of the grain offering shall belong to Aaron and his sons, a most holy portion from the Lord's gifts. Notice it's not from the people's gifts. It's not from, from oh, and what the people gave now is, no, it's this is the Lord's gifts given through the people, and it's the most holy thing for you. <laughs> and this is, I don't know, to me that's just, that's awesome stuff. That is just awesome that God is is placing and, and, and placing in him, in his promise and in, in these common ordinary things, he's placing his gifts and he's saying, this is for you in in such a great way and that that to me is um really amazing and then it and then he phrases it with you may do it in other words um which is maybe what we see in our own churches if you want to deal with the offering there's some people that don't bring an offering every sunday or at all yeah (laughs) um that's okay and that's okay and i'm not i'm not i'm not casting dispersions or stones what i'm saying is it's it's that same idea that god's people god's ministry are still provided for. And we see that here in the grain offering. You may do it. And they did. And maybe not everybody, but 
but they did and they and they were fine and and maybe sometimes we need to step back in our own churches and realize that that the same the same lord who provided for his ministers and provided for his ministry and provided for the priests uh and the priesthood of all believers now um is the same one who's still working in our churches today and and when we when we stand before our churches and we say you have an opportunity to give of your gifts your time talents and treasures it's not necessarily our place to say you must but you may, and here is ways you can. Um, just like the Lord says in Leviticus, you may do these things, and here is a way you can, and I will work in it. because Not because you've done it, but because I promise. And, and that's beautiful. Um, and maybe that, that brings some, some good highlight to us in our own ministries um, when we look at our budget and we're like, Ugh, we're short. Yeah, but the Lord works in the hearts of people and, and Luther gives us a very good stark reminder. And he says, the last thing to be converted in a Christian is the pocketbook. (laughs) And so, so maybe worry less about that and, and just embrace those gifts. Right. So, uh, let's move on to fellowship offering. Yeah. I, I wish they would have kept the name of what it is in Hebrew instead of changing it to fellowship offering. Although I, I'm not saying it's bad. Um, I, I like I like the name that it, it, it was given. It, the peace offering, I think, is kind of neat because um, it deals with peace between people, right, and our God. Again, it's not a sin. I mean, we've been bouncing back and forth between offerings for, given for sin and offerings given because we are we are holy. We have been set apart. This is again another category of the offerings. We haven't even got to the to the actual offerings that are given because of sin that's committed or sin that we are born into. We're still in these are offerings you give to the Lord because of what the Lord has done for you. These are sacramental offerings to the Lord. And so as they're giving them, it's uh it's it's, it's one of the flock is the victim in in the offering. Uh, uh it could be a male or a female in this one. Um, and uh, it, the blood of that animal is dashed against the sides of the altar just as it was for the burnt offering. Um, and again, this one in this one you have, like in the grain offering, this is also offered to the priest uh, from that offering. Actually, um, no, that's the sin offering, <clears throat> if I remember correctly. Um, the fellowship offering, and, and I'm, I'm just I was going back to try to reread this, um, if I remember correctly, when it comes down to when we get into six and seven, uh, where it gives us the the um, what would be more of the statutory laws, how to perform these, um, the fellowship, the peace offering, the, all the pieces are taken and, and taken out and buried. Um, that's what creates the peace. They're no longer there. <laughs> what what was given what was given is is now gone taken away well, the fat and the inner organs are given to the lord but the the muscles is kept is for that? the yeah i was i was looking in in chapter three seeing if i could find that and i did not find that and maybe it's it's, ins- a, it's, it's a whole animal but the fat and the insides are given to the lord but the rest of it is not So they present, um, I'm just reading here at the end, and, and, and so it says that, uh, da, 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 made by fire, uh, we have that, the, the two kidneys with the fat around them, and the muscle and sinew, um, so and like first the 16. protruding lobe of the liver are removed, and yeah. then Aaron shall send it up in smoke, place it on top of the offering. Verse 16, what do you have? Yeah, verse 16, all fat belongs to the Lord. This is a permanent regulation throughout your generations. Right. And all the, right. So the rest of it um, is given to the priest. Um, let's see if anyone needs This would be in verse, or chapter 7. Uh, let me just double check here. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm just reading verse 7, or chapter 7, because chapter 7 gives us uh, the ritual, how they are, how the priests are supposed to conduct themselves. Um, and it says, uh, he offers in the offering a fulfillment of the vow voluntarily. It may be eaten on that day. So there you go. Uh, so the, so the fellowship offering is, is maybe eaten on that day. Um, as long as it doesn't carry over. So you can't carry it over. Um, 
and they are able to belong to the priests for them to be able to have yeah, have the, food. The goal is to eat it that day. You can eat the leftovers on the day after, but then the third day. Um, and it also, up. it is it seems as if um, in verse twenty of this ritual that the person who offers the peace offering also partakes of it, um, and and they're able to eat of the offering, um, and receive the benefits of of. And in, the, in what it says in chapter 7, like in how these practices were supposed to be played out, it says in verse 20, but the person who eats from the meat of the sacrifice of his fellowship offering to the Lord while in a state of uncleanliness will be cut from his people. So if, if he did not, if he really wasn't genuine in, in seeking uh, peace and he really wasn't genuine in, in uh, um, recognizing his own guilt, this is not a benefit to you. <laughs> Um, is there something else in 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 the Lord's words when it comes to the sacraments that He also gives a warning and says, "If you take it in an unworthy manner, that that this does not become a benefit to you"? Because in my mind now, I'm thinking of the what's going on in the sacrifices isn't just blood being dashed against the altar or animals given be given up, but really this is like a Texas roadhouse uh, that we have going on here: steaks and. Other parts of meats are are put down. Guys are people are eating it and enjoying uh, what God has given. But like you said, you you don't. It's not a it's not a party without order. It's this this is for this particular day. Let's enjoy this this day. I could see I could see the wisdom behind God saying, "Eat it that day with the people who order who gave it." Because I could see a a priest saying, "Well, I've got." <laughs> I've got this stock up of uh, a meat available. You got some to meat me. hanging in the locker. Yeah, meat hanging <laughs> in the locker, and and there's no fellowship between that particular priest and that particular family who brought the offering. It's in, enjoyed together, and you see echoes of that in our Lord's Supper, where yes, you could take the Lord's Supper with just you and the pastor, or but there is something to be said about being able to gather with uh, believers. And a part of our our synod during the the pandemic was wrestling with. Can you have virtual communion? And that's really one of the one of the major reasons why we said virtual communion isn't just between you and the Lord. This is something between you and others to enjoy this wonderful fellowship that you enjoy with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, there's there's and I know we've had sort of we approached this conversation, but the Lord throughout Leviticus, I think, interchanges this idea of the tabernacle and its purpose in the tent of meeting. And I, I saw in, in one of the commentaries that I was looking at that, that um, this diagram that, that really they were attached, that the tent of meeting really encompassed the, what would become the out, uh, outside corridor or the, the courtyard in the, in when the temple is built by Solomon, that that, that that would be this tent of meeting. And what happens in this tent of meeting, not only does God interact with his people, but, but God's people interact with each other. Um, in in a in a holy place in a in a clean place a holy place where where like in this this particular offering of of the peace offering I am coming to be at peace with my fellow man and and I'm receiving that and we're joining and God affords a time for us to join together to do that um, you know and, and I th- I like what you said you know yeah you can you know and pastors do go and visit our shut-ins and we bring them communion and 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 pastor offers communion to them. Um, but how awesome is it to, to be in church where the members give communion to their pastor and they are unified under the one belief and this common goal and ministry, and they get to stand together and receive the benefits of the Lord and then share those benefits with each other. Um, I think there's an importance to church in that way. Um, the, the, the Lord placed himself in the middle of his people and he didn't send his, the Levites out to the people. He brought the people to the Levites. He, he brought the people to those who minister, right? He, he brought the people to himself. Um, and then he stood among them. And, and I think sometimes we, we lose sight of that. Because we, we say, I don't have to go to church. Well, you don't necessarily. I mean, you can have faith uh, through reading the word in your house. But why would I want to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing? <laughs> right? Uh, why would I want to do that? I, I, don't, I wouldn't because God promises to be there where two or three are gathered in his name. And, and he's promising to give himself in these rites. Um, and we look at the sacraments specifically. 
and we say to ourselves, why do we have them? They have them because by promise, God says, I'm there for you. By promise, I am, I am giving myself to you. Um, and, and he's doing that through, through the book of Leviticus, where in, the, in these, in these rites, right, of the divine service that he's giving, um, it's really God serving us. But all the things we have to do, no, this is the way God is saying, I am going to work in them. And they have the power because I gave my word and said they are. When we lose that, which they will later on, they're just sacrifices. And, and the Lord says, I don't desire them. I desire a true and contrite heart that, that out of thanksgiving came to me, right? All so, right, let's move on to now we get to talk about the sin offering. So we've been kind of yeah. dancing around the, the sin offering thing, bouncing back and forth. Now let's dive in. So so I have a question, and, and, it, and it, it really permeates for and and on. Um, all, through, all through four, right, um, you have the word unintentional or unintentionally. Um, it struck me as interesting that the sin offering is not for someone who intentionally breaks God's laws and pulls himself away. Um, do you, I, I know I'm probably surprising you on this. Do you have any comments on that or any thoughts on that? Um, I just the idea of the, the reminder of who God's people, who God knows who he's dealing with. He's dealing with people who can't keep the law that he has given on Mount Sinai. These are people that are going to sin a lot. They're not going to keep it. So God isn't giving a standard that people can really live up to. He's giving a standard that his son will live up to. And so just that consistent reminder, uh, you're in this wonderful relationship with God who has saved you, who provides for you, who makes promises and keeps them. You're in this relationship, but you are violating this unintentionally all the time. Guess who isn't unintentionally vi- violating his covenant with you? God. Well, and, and I, I agree with you on that one. That that that. But I, I guess my, my question that I struggled with when I was going through this last night and I was, I was kind of rehashing what I what I had been thinking about and I, and that struggle just came up a little bit more. And that is throughout chapter four and throughout chapter five, um, when it talks about the really, the, it uh, is all specifically talking about the sin offering and it is someone who unintentionally, it means that they, they did not conceive in their mind. I desire to do this directly as an affront to God. Um, so that would be the unintentional. Or someone who sins and they didn't know it was a sin, and then when it's brought to them, ah, oh, now the law has worked. And it, but I've not, I noticed as I read through it, there's nothing in there that covers the sin of a person who says, I know this is wrong. I'm going to do it anyway. I know this is not God-pleasing, but I'm going to engage in it. And, and and so correct me if I if I missed something, but as I'm reading through this, I'm like, there's there's nothing in here that 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 kind of highlights the person who willfully, as a Christian, turns his back on Christ on 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 God and says, "I'm going to do it anyway." You know, the, it, a lot of the unintentional. You know, I'm a sinner saint. This is a lot of sinner saint talk, right? Um, you know, these are God's people and they, 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 because they're sinners, they did things that they didn't know were sin or they did things that, that flowed from, uh, my natural inclination, but, but I, it was brought to my attention and I repent. Are you trying to say that God uh, is addressing the new person in each one of the Israelites, that the new person would never intend to do any of these sins, that when you are doing something unintentionally, this is not who you are in in God, because who you are in God would not do this one because you are in the, in the, and you are holy, you are set apart. This is, you don't intend to do any of these things because that's not who you are. I think I, I am. And I'm also thinking and, and, and man, please correct me if I'm way off base here. I'm also thinking that, that, that here in, in chapter four and five of Leviticus, you see in a very stark reality the epitaph that the Lord gives when he says the rejection of the Holy Spirit is the only unforgivable sin. I, I think you're seeing it in practice. 
in, in, in four and five in the sin offering. The only unforgivable sin is the rejection of, of, of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do it no matter what, even though I know it's wrong. And God said, no, I'm rejecting the Holy Spirit. I'm rejecting the, the very gifts of the new man inside of me, and I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and the Lord very specifically here says, when it's an unintentional, when, when because you are a sinner by nature, you do the things that sinners do, but, but then the new man catches up to you, right? And, and, you are, and, and you recognize your guilt, and you come, and, and now you are going to be forgiven because of promise. Totally different than a person who rejects the Holy Spirit and says, I don't want anything to do with this. And, and we see that in Scripture, that is the unforgivable sin. And I just, I, 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 that struck me as I read through this section last night again. And I was going through that and I just kept underlining unintentional, unintentional. When they come to recognize their guilt, then, um, you know, all of this kind of response language of this is the, this is what the sacrament does. And then I, I asked, so I finished it. I'm like, but what about the person who intentionally, <laughs> right? Um, and then you said it. A person who is by the Spirit won't intentionally do those things. Yeah, and it, 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 I was the other thought I had was a thought that a member shared with me a long time ago about how much he appreciates in, um, in the Christian worship ninety three on page fifteen, and you can probably correct me because I'm not very familiar with the new hymnal just yet, but just the I am by nature sinful, just this idea of. This is, I do things that I, that I don't want to do. Like Paul says in Romans seven, what I want, who I am, is the new person that God has created in me. In Leviticus, it is the new person that God has created in them is going to not willfully do those things. So it's it's un, always unintentional, but at the same time they still do them. So they still need a sacrifice, and so the. Uh, that's that's really kind of where I come down with yeah if you don't have the Holy Spirit, uh, it, you're in trouble and and if you for, reject the Holy Spirit you're, you're in, in trouble. trouble right and for the for the Christian who is is terrified of of rejecting the Holy Spirit usually as pastors we would say if you're terrified of rejecting the Holy Spirit you have not committed that sin because that is a that's the re- a reflection of a spirit led heart that says I don't want to give up or I don't want to reject the very God who saved me and gives me forgiveness and who does all these things for me. I don't want to do that. So you have that natural uh, of uh, natural um, sensitivity to breaking the, the sin against the Holy Spirit. It's the person who really does not care what God has to say in his word, who really does not care uh, th- that the Holy Spirit works through his means and does not care that uh, God is going to, could possibly send them to hell. They're, they're, completely rejecting all that and uh, and saying I have my own way to get there which is not getting <laughs> gonna get you're not gonna make it right and 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 I agree and and that's the kind of the thing that just struck me is that is that you know you don't have a God who changes you have a God who who still has the same bearing right um you reject me there is no forgiveness period end of story um but if you're struggling with it and 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 you have that sinner saint, that lives inside of you. I've made the saint and the sinner still there. Um, there's hope and comfort and there's forgiveness. Uh, one of the things I want to, I, I would think that we'd also might want to talk about is the differences between the, the sin sacrifices. Um, and we notice that there is a level of importance um, in, in, in the sense of, and, and, and try, I, you'll see where I'm leading with this. It's, it's kind of a beautiful thing. Um, so like when you are, um, uh, the priest, <laughs> you have to offer a bull, <laughs> which is like the most expensive animal <laughs> in in that, their culture, right? So, so um, you're the you are the guy. You're the high up. You have to do a bull. Um, then, when you get to like the higher up people in in the government, right, or the chiefs, what do they have to do? They have to give a bull. <laughs> they, you know, a younger bull, uh, maybe not one that they're using for breeding, but but you, you see this idea of and then the beautiful part is you get to the common people. And the sin offering for the common people is a lamb. And when uh, to me, when I read that, and I was reading it again, I'm just thinking, John the Baptist, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I'm like, oh, common people. 
I'm like, you know, how beautiful that 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 John doesn't say. And look, the bull of God, <laughs> for somebody else's sin, right? The right people, for the for the sin of the priests. Yeah. No, he says, look, the 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 lamb. I mean, he is. This is, and I'm thinking in the mind of the Hebrew people who have been gathering there. The mind that is when they hear those words, and we're thinking. And and rightfully so, maybe we're thinking Passover, right? We're thinking, hey, the one who, uh, the the blood of the lamb who allowed us to to have death pass over us. But now, when I re- rereading this, I'm thinking, common people, and maybe this is the this is one of the reasons why why you think so many common people came out to hear John, because he's preaching right to them, right. Here is the lamb, the very thing that 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 you would offer to the Lord for your sin. Here he is for you. Um, that is pretty neat. Making some of those uh, again, those echoes throughout God's word uh, from all from all time. The only response to that would be is I, we don't know what was going through John the Baptist's mind when he was saying, "Look, the Lamb of God." He was and pointing seems, at Jesus. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that much we know, um, but could that possibly just be the Passover? Um, and there were there were uh, Pharisees coming out to John because John says, "Look, you brood of vipers." Well, sure, and and it could have been it could have been he was just thinking about the Passover, and it yeah. could have been he's like, "I can't just call him cousin." Right, and the writer to the <laughs> writer to the hey, uh, look, there's my cousin. <laughs> and the writer to the Hebrews talks about the 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 blood of bulls and things and, and compares that to Christ. That Christ is that bull. Um, so, anyway. I, and I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not making a, I, I'm, I, if I came off painting this wide or with this brush that says, Oh, Jesus is only, I'm not trying to do that. What I'm saying is, is I, I think God intentionally uh, through the spirit when he writes, um, when he, when he wrote the the scriptures and inspired them, puts echoes in that that just link us back to things that that are there. And yes, in the book of Hebrews, inspired by the Spirit, you have the bulls. Okay, so it's for the priests too, and it's for the wealthy people. But you have this for the common people, right? You have here is here is the Lord who is the lamb, and you have these these echoes that that are when we read them we're like, "Oh, that sounds nice." But when we get a better depth and understanding of God's word. And when we look at the, we look at, at God's word in, in the new Testament and the, and Jesus says everything that Moses and the prophets, right. And the Psalms say are about me. You start seeing these beautiful pictures that carry on throughout the pages of scripture. And you're like, wow. Um, you know, this is one writer, one author, um, through many voices, but, but here it is. I do like the fact that he God does have expressions because of his grace. He's going to have these expressions that tell the people, this is going to hurt. When you sin, this is going to hurt you. But it's not, uh, he wants them to understand this is going to hurt, but he doesn't want them to say this is impossible uh, for you to, to go through this experience so that you would be forgiven. And I don't mean to say that that uh, we can somehow work for God for forgiveness, but just yeah, what I'm trying to say is that God wants these people to experience this sin sacrifice. Yes, it will always hurt. So if you are a king or if you're a high priest, giving up a bull reminds you sin is serious, and also for the common person, sin is serious. But God wants you to experience that so that you would see He is sending a sacrifice to take care of your sin. So it's always going to hurt. It'll hurt more for for more people because of their responsibilities, or maybe because of their influence uh, in the world. It, it's still going to hurt them because it's going to hurt the son, uh, and he's going to do the sacrifice that you can't do. Yeah, he's going to be on the cross, suffering for suffering hell for you. Sin hurts. Uh, the The sacrifice that is offered, uh, the offering that is given for sin, hurts you a heck of a lot less than it does this thing, right? Yeah. It hurts, yeah. It, it hurt my pocketbook, um, but I'm alive, and and God promised to forgive me, and my sins are atoned for. I'm at one with Him now because because of this, and and He has reinstated this. He has reinstated and fixed this relationship between us. Um, and the opposite side is it's a lot. It 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 costs a lot more without it. 
Um, and, and we always would say forgiveness is free, right? We, we say that forgiveness is free for who? Well, it's for you, not for God. He, he, he spent everything. He gave everything so that you could be free. So recognizing in the Old Testament, and I think this is where the flavor is, we recognize that, that um, God is not demanding it of you, but it's still costly. And, and there is an element of that costliness there. And sometimes we can get so wound up in the, well, it cost me. See, I paid something. It wasn't, it, it wasn't even enough. And, and that's what they fail to realize that it, it, it took the blood of the Almighty God to pay for it all. That the, this, yeah, so the, so the king had to sacrifice a bull, but he had seven others, um, and he could breed more. And, oh, but that, do you know how much that cost? Not nearly enough for all of the sins that he has committed. Not nearly enough to cover the, 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 the debauchery that he thought in his heart and in his mind. Not nearly enough for the unintentional sin that, that he, he participated in all the time throughout every hour of every day. And yet, the Lord through promise said, this is enough. Right? Um, oh, but it hurts. Well, mm. <laughs> it's relative (laughs) yeah i i think it just reiterates what you were saying before and earlier in the podcast these sacrifices weren't really for god but they were for the people to remind them of yes sin hurts but there's there's restitution there's forgiveness for this yeah and it doesn't just remind them it gives it yeah it gives it Right through promise, through promise, and and that's I think that that's the same thing that we can apply to, and maybe this is the takeaway when we start talking because it's ritual. A lot of it is ritual and right, and I get it, and I know that we don't have prescribed ritual and right in the New Testament. We don't. We have we have sacraments that are given, but those sacraments are 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 just that. They are promise. They they carry what they say they carry, and they do what they say they do because of promise, because of the word. They gain their power. Um, and so, you know, don't start thinking, well, because the altar guild prepared communion and the, 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 the pastor um, waved his hand over it with the cross and said, you know, uh, that, that now it has power. No, it has power and it has its authority and it has its carry of promise because Jesus said so. Because it's his word and his power and his grace um, it has nothing to do with the people who prepared it, and it has nothing to do with the pastor who gave it. Um, it has everything to do with the one who promised it and said, this is yours. Now enjoy it. Live in it. And the same thing with these offerings. You know, okay, yeah, the priests, they participated in doing this work. And they and, and then later on in 6 and 7, you're going to see that they had a very set way of doing it because the Lord is a Lord of order, right? He didn't want chaos ruling in the tent and uh, who's using the altar right now and whatever the case may be. Or we have to start a fire again. We let it burn out. Um, you know, he, he's, a, he's a Lord of order. But never were they perfect <laughs> in how they carried it out. And... And, and, and they're assembling it and then their participation in it meant nothing because it was only God's promise that, that gave it its ability. So with eight minutes left to go, let's Ooh, talk about eight minutes. the restoration, restitution offering, the restitution. last offering that's mentioned yeah. in chapter 7. Yeah, that's... Uh, um, I, I view that as, as Jesus saying, go and sin no more. <laughs> Or, or you know, um, uh, forgiving of of uh, Zechariah, uh, or so, sorry, Zacchaeus, the wee little man, right? Um, um, go in, I'm going to give back. I'm going to pay back all that I took, even more. Um, it, it is an offering that that encourages and reminds us of the response of faith. That's sanctified living. I, I, that's pretty much what I got from when I looked at it. Isn't the restitution offering for sins against another person? Is that, it is. Uh, so it's restitu- uh, it's, It is sanctified living. What do I, What can I do now for others? Did Did both parties are both parties involved in the giving of that of the rest, restitution offering? <sighs> um, I'd have to go back and look. Um, I don't. 
I don't think so. I think so. It, it's just that they are part of that restitution offering is that they are to give. They're supposed to to give like the silver or whatever is part of that restitution, and I don't think the other person had to be there for it. It's <laughs> yeah. very much Here, like I a did sin- something against you. Now I'm going to take away from your time, and you have to come to the temple. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on a second. Okay. I'll be back. I'll be back. The restitution offering is it's it's like the sin offering. The same laws applies in both, and it shall belong to the priests who make atonement for it. Also, the priests who uh, presents. Anyone's offering shall keep the hide and burnt, so we have all of that. Um, so it's it's treated very much like the sin offering in the way that it's it's presented to the Lord. Um, the only difference is, is that it also has a an, another element of now what, and and I think that's where the restitution comes in. Is so it's not just it's 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 not just saying okay, um, it's not just saying I've sinned. I am apologizing. I'm asking for my forgiveness before my Lord. It's I've sinned. I have apologized. I have asked forgiveness for my Lord, and and now there is a there is a what do I do with this moment? Um, and we we go and we we try to make amends. You know, um, I have been and 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 maybe this falls into when we do counseling, the steps of forgiveness, right? I recognize the forgiveness my Lord has given to me. And now what do I do with this? What what can I do with this wonderful gift of knowing what I have? Fruits of repentance, you mean not steps of return, repentance. Where Well, in, in counseling, in in counseling when we were in seminary and maybe I don't know whoever taught your counseling class, but but uh um Siglkow, he gave us this you have this you know you bring people to a recognition of their forgiveness and how they have a need for forgiveness right and steps of counseling and then and then as you get out of the basement and you're sitting in your own self pity you realize you've done a lot of things towards other people and and it's going to them and it's it's saying i i recognize my own faults and i know i'm forgiven by the lord but it's important that i i i ask for your forgiveness for what i have participated in what it sounds to me like, and maybe I misunderstood you. Steps of repentance sounds like you have to do all these things before you are forgiven. That's not no, what no, 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 no. The steps of forgiveness is you you confess your sin, you receive forgiveness, and now how do you live? And that's the fruits of repentance. That's the restitution offering part of that too. Is that this is these are things I'm going to do because I have been forgiven. And off with the felt with this particular offering, this is okay. Now I'm going to do this because I'm forgiven. I'm going to give this offering. Uh, to the Lord, I'm going to, it, as a symbol of, I'm going to change my life now. That things are going to be different, and I'm going to take these steps so that uh, he, I I stay in the holiness that I have now have because of the sacrament. Have you ever wondered how often that actually took place? The fellowship offering? The the, the restitu- this restitution. restitution offering. I, I mean, just if you think about it, I mean, you would have somebody who must have been really stricken with guilt to say, I have really taken advantage of this person and I am willing to give back. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I just. I'm really <laughs> willing to make it hurt to remind myself not to do it again. Yeah. I mean, I not only sacrificed and gave this offering that took from my flock or whatever, but I'm I'm actually paying it back. You know, there's, there's, there's an effect on the pocketbook or effect on the, on the livelihood. I'm, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle it in any way. I'm just wondering, you know, knowing sinful nature as I, as we do, um, how much of that is what did people, and maybe that's why it's the last one, right? Um, we, we go into, we, we went through the progress of, of difficulty. (laughs) (laughs) Easiest to hurt. I think, I think the new person inside of us will willingly do whatever it takes to not do that sin again. So I think if we're looking at motivation, yeah, sinful nature is not going to want to do anything more than is required. But the new person inside of us says, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I, I can, I'll, I'll give to the Lord whatever and make it hurt because the Lord, I love the Lord and what he has done for me. And I'm willing to put myself through that. I'm willing to do that because that's all part of something called self-discipline. Because I'm trying to curb this this sinful nature inside of me and uh, exert the new person over the natural person, so I'm I'm willing to make it hurt in order to to accomplish something so that I beat this sinful nature down. Yeah, 
And maybe that's a, a very good way for us to sort of round out. Um, if you notice, we really went through um, chapters one through five and, and dealt with those offerings. When you get to um, chapter six and chapter seven, those offerings are, are really the focus is now from case law, if you want to call it that, to statutory law. And how do we perform these things to, to, so that they are done in good and in, in, in decent order? Um, and what the priests are supposed to do with the stuff that they're not supposed to eat <laughs> or the things that they're supposed to dispose of and how how that is done so that we keep it from the pagan ritual and we don't we don't attach it to pagan thoughts so what do we do to to dispose of that and that's what you really get in in six and seven um and and then it rounds it all out as this is this is how we engage with our lord in receiving his sacrament um I have nothing else to, to really add to this other than to say that, you know, we're going to continue on to sort of jump our way through the book of Leviticus and hopefully get it done before uh, Lent so that people can celebrate Lent with some words from you and your brother as, as you'll be bringing them some things during that time. And then we'll get together and pursue whatever we're going to do after Lent. Yeah. So dear listener, in an hour, you've gone through seven chapters of the book of Leviticus and we've bounced around in those chapters, but we're also... The, the major content of Leviticus 1 to 7 is a reminder of the wonderful sacramental offerings, sacramental things that God, it, it, always a response to what God has done for us. And in all of these sacrifices, we see that the need for Christ and also Christ for us. So, dear listener, I hope that uh, you also have, have seen Christ in these Levitical sacrifices, and we look forward to going through chapters 8 to 10 uh, next week. And until then, uh, dear Christians, live in Christ, offering yourself as a living sacrifice for the one who has done so much for you, not because you're going to get anything out of it, but because of who you are in Christ, that you are forgiven and holy in his sight. Mm -hmm.